This is the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sleeper Hole Podcast, where there is no disqualification on the topics and falls count anywhere. I am your host, Priest, and today we're going to have a pretty simple episode because there's been a lot going on that I definitely think we should definitely talk about. Definitely. Yeah, I had to do that. It's just more fun to be goofy. Anyway, so we have Battleground coming up, and we have the three brothers of the former S.H.I.E.L.D. going at it. We also have the New Day versus the Wyatts. We have John Cena with Enzo and Cass against the club. There's a lot of things going on. So it's going to be a great pay-per-view coming up. And I look forward to doing my prediction panel with this. But the big thing to talk about, the big money maker, is the draft. And the draft is amazing. So that's going to be our main talk today. One thing I also want to talk about, though, before we get onto that is the fact that I am so proud to see a lot of the wrestling stuff starting to boom. And what I mean by that is with the local communities, as well as people being just more aware, it seems like wrestling is finally getting that turn back to where it was back in the, um, the Monday Night Wars, where wrestling was a very popular thing, and it was almost on everybody's mind. It seems like with the help of people like John Cena doing the SBs or all the different Make-A-Wish Foundation people um, going with the wrestlers and helping those kids meet their favorite wrestlers. There's so many things going on that it's really starting to build back up to what it used to be. And that makes me very happy because it shows that where we were afraid that wrestling was going to fall to the wayside and fall apart, it actually may have a strong chance of hope to become a dominant once again in the whole television world. So, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about the draft. So what exactly is the WWE draft? Well, it's of course ran by the World Wrestling Entertainment, and it's basically to provide brand competition between the two brands, Raw and SmackDown, with all the roster. It started out as part of the brand extension in 2002, and it eventually became more well-known in 2004 and was like more of a hyped-up thing. It started out originally called the WWE Draft Lottery and eventually just simply was called the Draft. Um, it had the whole situation really pick up from 2002 to 2011. After that, 2011, the brand split kind of was no longer effective. It kind of got terminated. And it was just a simple inter-brand competition because there was no SmackDown versus Raw anymore. Well, that all now changed as of yesterday because on the lovely date that we all now will remember as July 19th, 2016, SmackDown moved to Tuesday nights with SmackDown Live. And for the first time in history, the WWE draft was done on a SmackDown. The other great thing to remember about this is that this is huge because you have Stephanie for Raw, Shane for SmackDown, going at it to see who can run the top brand with their respective GMs. But we're going to get to what just happened yesterday later on. I want to make sure we go through this thing accordingly and talk about the different things that's happened in history. So to start things off, we have to start at the beginning, which was 2002, after World Championship Wrestling and Extreme Championship Wrestling were pretty much bought out by the WWF. Their roster had become so large from all these extra talent that they decided to split their roster into two distinctive wrestling brands, which was Raw and SmackDown. Now, Ric Flair and Vince McMahon would be the ones to draft the superstars to Raw and SmackDown. The Rock was acquired by SmackDown as the first overall pick 
And The Undertaker was acquired by Raw to be their first pick. So you had two big names right there. Rock with SmackDown, which worked because Rock made the phrase SmackDown really famous when he was you know, doing his little spiels and promos. And Undertaker because he's iconic. The one unique thing about this was that Stone Cold Steve Austin was granted the right to choose which show he wanted to be representing. So that was actually a unique little twist there. As time went on, we had the WrestleMania 20 tagline where all begins again. And Vince McMahon announced the draft lottery. And as he stated, it was a time for a new WWE and a time to shake things up again. So each general manager received six picks total to help I guess you could say draft or rebuild up their brands. So that was kind of a nice thing because, I mean, you didn't really lose a lot of people, but you could easily steal a big name from your competitor. And it really gave a chance to really spike up those ratings once again, which Vince always loves good ratings. Now we get to 2005, and unlike the last two drafts, which had occurred on one night only. This time, it took place over the entire month of June. Each general manager received five random picks. And during this whole thing, SmackDown for a second there was in trouble as they were left without a world champion after John Cena was drafted into Raw, and he was currently holding the WWE Championship. So SmackDown started to plan on creating their own world championship, but soon that changed when they had received Batista from Raw to represent SmackDown, and at the time he was holding the World Heavyweight Championship. So it kind of all balanced out for its own good. Now, 2006, though, there really wasn't much of a draft, per se. The only thing that was going on is since the ECW brand was now out there and prominent on its own once again, the ECW representative, Paul Heyman, was allowed to draft one superstar from each of the Raw and SmackDown brands to help promote Extreme Championship Wrestling. So, uh, not really a draft per se, but more of a voluntold or a recruitment on Paul Heyman's behalf to help out with Extreme Championship Wrestling. Now, the first ever tri-brand lottery was on 2007, which involved Raw, SmackDown, and ECW, and they all three took part of the draft. Unlike the previous drafts where the GMs were able to randomly select their draftees, the matches took place between the representatives of each brand, and the winner received a draft pick. That took place on June 11th of 2007 on a separate three I'm sorry, special three-hour episode of Raw. So, for example, if Paul Heyman was to, say, have Sandman go into a match and Sandman was to win, Paul Heyman would be able to pick somebody to recruit into his brand of ECW. However, say Sandman lost and Triple H for Raw won, well, then Raw would get the chance to recruit somebody from either SmackDown or ECW to join the Raw roster. It was more of a earn your recruits than just randomly get them. I'm sure they shuffled things around after the fact, but that was how they really wanted to go about it, and it was really kind of neat. And it carried on in 2008, where they did the same thing. The draft picks were determined by matches. During the draft, three championships had switched brands during 2008 due to the champions switching brands. This was on June 23rd with a three-hour episode of Raw as well. So then we have, on April 13th, 2009, another episode of Raw where it had the tri-brand matches to determine who would have a pick in the draft. Of course, the winner would represent, and that represented... Uh, team, I guess you could say Raw, SmackDown, ECW, or Brand, as we've been saying, got a chance to do a pick for who they wanted to draft. Now, this, on April 13th, had a total of 12 wrestlers that were drafted on television. A supplemental draft was held on April 15th, which did a total four of 24 other wrestlers being drafted. Then we go to 2010. 
with the Richmond Coliseum being the one to state that they would be the venue for the 2010 draft. And this was held during an episode of Raw, April 26, 2010. Now, the one thing I want to make sure I just point out here real quick is that ECW is no longer mentioned as being part of the brand's drafting. It's just Raw and SmackDown. The draft consisted of inter-promotional matches where the winner of the match earned a pick for their brand, and so eight wrestlers were drafted on television, and then the supplemental draft on April 27th had a total of 13 wrestlers that were drafted. It was also, like I said, first draft without ECW after ECW was canceled. So, a really big important part there. But probably what was even more important was the last draft before what we had last night, which was April 18th, 2011. The USA Network and RBC Center confirmed that the draft was to take place in Raleigh, North Carolina. The draft consisted of interpromotional matches with the winner of the match's brand earning a pick. So eight superstars were drafted on television, and 22 more wrestlers were selected in a supplemental draft the following day, as the WWE.com would update the site with each and every pick. This was the final draft under the brand extension starting on 2002. 2012 is where we really kind of saw the brand extension go away and it came back to being Raw and Smackdown combined and all the superstars being combined this honestly I think was their biggest mistake and I think a lot of people now looking at it will agree with me having the brand extension and having the two brands go against each other really does drive ratings through the roof and I understand that they were losing some superstars and they needed to downsize. Plus, they, you know, their women's division wasn't as big as it used to be, or this wasn't as big, or that was. You know, it, I understand why they did it, is the main thing I'm trying to say. However, by doing that and toning it down from PG 13, or however you want to phrase it, they used to be, they lost the edge. They no longer had that edgy attitude because it's now PG. We got to be careful so we don't offend anyone, heaven forbid. And we also had no battle of the brands. Everything was ran by one person or one unit, I guess you could say, for that whole time frame of 2012 to 2016. Most iconically, we remember, is the authority. You know, there was a lot of great storylines that were during that time. There was a lot of great things and interesting things that happened. I mean, you can't deny John Laurinaitis and people power and the superstars rioting against, um, not really rioting, but uh, striking, I guess. That's what I was looking for. They they went on strike against the WWE because it was an unsafe environment. There was a lot of great, unique stories. So I'm not going to say that it's not worth checking out or it's not worth being memorable. But when you really want to build those ratings, you have to have that ruthless aggression of brand versus brand. Because it's almost like recreating the Monday Night Wars. And that was what really drove the ratings, is people love competition. Even if they're not directly involved, they love competition. Because their attitude is going to be, Oh, that was cool. I wonder how they're going to one-up them at this guy's show. I wonder how they're going to one-up them after they do this. You know, it was always to see who could get the the upper hand. And it really kept the people going. The beautiful part, to an extent, is that now in 2016, we have Raw and SmackDown back-to-back. We have a Monday and Tuesday. So you get to see that upper hand motion more immediate, more spontaneous, except for Stephanie, even though she has a three-hour show with Raw, she does have a disadvantage, and I don't think she realizes it. Shane can retaliate immediately on Tuesday night with SmackDown. He can immediately do something to get the upper hand. And everybody, all the way up until Monday, are going to be talking about Shane's show. And that gives him the upper hand for ratings. Now, 
don't get me wrong, this may be what Vince is intentionally planning, is to keep it going like that and keep it talking until the next day, instead of being, oh, Tuesday, hey, did you see that thing that happened on Monday? Yeah, that was cool. I can't wait till Thursday. Wednesday, you forget about it. Thursday, oh, hey, that was cool. Friday, talk a little bit about it. Saturday and Sunday, you forget about it. And then Monday, it kicks back up. Unless, of course, there's a pay-per-view. So maybe that's what Vince is going for between the competition and the time slots. Who knows? I also feel like if Shane really picks it up and gets high ratings, we may see one of two things happen. We may see SmackDown get a three-hour slot, which would be awesome. We may see Raw, if the ratings keep hurting with Stephanie, drop down to a two-hour slot, which would be unfortunate, but who knows? So there's a lot of things going on. And the only reason I say who knows is because watching NXT, and it it's only a two-hour block if I remember right. It may be less than that. But the times I have watched NXT is so short but it has a lot of impact. And if you can do that much with NXT and make it that huge in that short time frame per episode, you can do it with the big guys, too. You just got to know how to pull the strings. So we're going to get to the 2016 draft here in just a moment because that is going to be one that's exciting. But first thing I want to talk about is what has this done when it comes to regards of the different titles. So first off, the main thing is 2002, we had the undisputed WWE champion and the women's champion were ineligible to be drafted because their respective services were deemed available to both brands. The rest of the champions, however, were eligible to be drafted to either brand roster. So we had the Intercontinental Champion and the European Champion to Raw with the tag team Hardcore and Cruiserweights going to SmackDown. As time went on, though, the tag team and the hardcore championships became exclusive to Raw, while the undisputed championship became exclusive to SmackDown, and then we had Lesnar sign only to appear for that brand. Then it was renamed the WWE Championship as Bischoff created the World Heavyweight Championship for Raw. 2005, we had John Cena was drafted to SmackDown to, uh, from, I'm sorry, he was drafted from SmackDown to Raw and kept his champion. So Theodore Long, Teddy Long, he announced that SmackDown would have a new championship to be created, but then that was you know tossed aside when Batista came over, like I mentioned earlier, with his World Heavyweight Championship. 2007, the ECW World Champion Bobby Lashley or was stripped of his title after being drafted to Raw, and if I remember right, it was John Morrison who ended up getting the title. 2008, Matt Hardy was drafted to ECW with the United States Championship, and Triple H was drafted to SmackDown with the WWE Championship. However, Kane was drafted to Raw with his ECW Championship. So a lot of trading off there. Uh, 2009, we had the Unified Tag Team Champions, the Colognes, and the WWE Divas Champion Maurice, the United States Champion MVP, the WWE Champion Triple H, they were all drafted to Raw, while the Women's Champion Melina and Intercontinental Champion Rey Mysterio were over to SmackDown. Uh, 2011's draft, the United States Champion Sheamus was drafted to SmackDown, and by the end of the extension, we no longer needed for two world champions, so Triple H set up a unification match between the WWE Champion Randy Orton and the World Heavyweight Champion John Cena at the 2013 TLC. Great match, by the way. Definitely check that out. Uh, Orton did win and became the first WWE World Heavyweight Champion, thus vacating the World Heavyweight Championship because uh, it's now WWE World Heavyweight, not just World Heavyweight. Seems weird and no uh, tongue twister, but you gotta see the lettering or at least listen to him talk about it. You'll understand what's going on. And then, of course, we now have the 2016 draft, which we're going to get to here in just a moment. But, as you can see, sometimes the titles moved around a lot. Sometimes they were like, no, they're good for everybody. Other times they're like, no, they can't move at all. But they always find a way to balance out titles. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go, especially after Sunday's Battleground, when it comes to these said titles. 
All right, people in Springfield, Illinois, listen up. And also for all of you who decide to come and visit Springfield, Illinois, if you're ever hungry, you want something that's quick and delicious and not just one of your typical run-of-the-mill burger joints like McDonald's and all that, go ahead and check out this place called P&P's Little Grill. If you want to try to find it, the best way you can is just remember to go on the corner of Sangamon and Peoria Road, look for the Thornton's Gas Station, and it'll be right next to it. It's this little white building. It's called PMP's Little Grill, or Lil Grill, rather. And let me tell you, I've had so many different things from there just trying out for their food. It's all good. But if you ask me what my favorite is, their burgers are great, especially the one I just had recently. It was a nice Chuck burger. It had hash brown and egg on it. It was incredible. And, of course, the melted cheese. you got to have cheese on it. I don't care who you are. Cheese is always the best. And then, of course, like I said, they got good fries. They have a little fillies. Those fillies are great with that place. So... If you're ever ready to go to a wrestling show in Springfield or you're just living around the area and you want something good to eat, go to PMP's Little Grill and check this out. And make sure you're paying attention to this. This is the important part. You go there and you tell them that Priest from the Sleeper Hole podcast sent you and you're going to get 10% off your order. You heard me right. You just mentioned my name, Priest, and the Sleeper Hole podcast. And you're going to get 10% off your order. Again, PMP's Little Grill off the corner of Sangamon and Peoria Road, right next to Thornton's, right across the street from Walgreens. Check them out. It is going to be worth it, I promise you, and you will be thanking me. If you're not thanking me, your stomach and your tongue will. I can promise that. So that brings us now to the 2016 draft. First of all, let me make sure I go over some of the things before we go to the actual draft, such as what the rules were. First of all, each block of the draft, Raw gets first pick. They also get to pick three, whereas SmackDown gets to pick two, which is equal and representative to the number of hours on air. For the teams, they can be picked as a solid team unless the GM or commissioner decide they don't want the whole entire team and they can pick them out individually so there was a lot of possibilities going on the other thing that they also had was that for this they wanted to make sure they announced some really solid GMs Stephanie surprised all of us when she recruited Mick Foley and honestly I love it because I remember when Mick was a GM on Raw He was comical, he was smart, he was witty, and he also was one who was very creative and would be able to bust people and catch them in the act. So if somebody tried to pull a fast one on Mick, he'd catch them in the act and he'd be able to make it even more fun. And of course, it kind of leaked out beforehand, but Shane O'Mac, who is the commissioner of SmackDown, had recruited for his general manager, Daniel Bryan. So the yes movement is going onward. And Daniel Bryan and Shane pretty much said that, you know, we know we only have two hours, but we want to give people who deserve opportunity. We want to get those people on our team. We also want to get people who have the heart and the passion. So that's where they kind of went with that. So we talked about the titles beforehand with the other years and what they all meant with those different drafts. But before, again, we get to the actual drafts and what champions went where and everything else, I had posted on the Sleeper Hold podcast official website, www.thesleeperhold.com, as well as on social media, what my predictions were given with the assistance of the wwe.com slash draft to show what I think was going to be the actual picks. Now, the interesting thing about this is I looked at it, and I went, okay, there is the Tag Team Championship. SmackDown used to be huge with the Tag Team titles from my memory, so they'll probably make that be SmackDown's focus. Now, granted, there's a lot of tag teams, so they may have a sub-tag team division. You know, not as strong, but still there for Raw. 
and eventually drive down to two titles. No biggie. But for the women's title, you're not seeing a lot of active matches with the women as I would like to see. And it's because the roster is still kind of new, but it's also because they really don't use all the women they have. So I kind of felt like they were going to keep them all together to help really push the women when it came to that extra hour over um, SmackDown, and that would be what Stephanie's game plan was. So I kind of led to all the women going to Raw. Now, the thing is, you know, yeah, I, I knew that you know Shane could easily draft any of them and possibly make another women's title. Didn't see it happening, but that's just what my opinion was. I also kind of felt that Stephanie would not want to give up the WWE Championship so easily. So I felt like she was definitely going to be go ahead and recruit all three members of the Shield, despite whether or not she likes or dislikes Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and Seth Rollins. You know, she's going to put her personal feelings aside for the sake of keeping the championship, which meant that I was anticipating that SmackDown, since it still hasn't really measured up yet, but I think it will in the future. We're going to get to that. I figured they'd at least grab Rusev and The Miz. So that was kind of where I went with all that, is that SmackDown was going to be intercontinental U.S. tag, whereas Raw was going to be women's and the WWE Championship. You know, and I I guess it... Tag could go either way, but like I said, I kind of figured Stephanie would grab some of the newer guys or the not-so-often-used guys and then possibly make her own tag title there because they had a time where there was two tag divisions. There was a Raw tag and a SmackDown tag. I can't remember exactly what year that was, but I do remember I used to have the video game for it, and I would mess with that all the time. So, irregardless, what we got here is the official... 2016 draft results and which brand they went to as well as the proper order of who was picked at what order so without further ado let's go down the list from the first pick of the whole entire night to the very last pick and then as well as some additional thoughts afterwards The very first pick of the night was by Stephanie, and it was Seth Rollins, which, in my opinion, was a very good pick. Seth knows how to be a good heel. He's very talented. He's very skilled in what he does in the ring, and he has a lot of potential. He is nowhere near being thrown to the wayside yet. Now, to counter this, Shane and Dean... Sorry, not Dean. Shane and Daniel Bryan, there's the right name... They chose Dean Ambrose, who is currently the WWE Heavyweight Champion. So that kind of threw my thought process out the window. However, it makes it really neat because now, come to Battleground, the title really could go to either brand. And Dean is one of those guys who is very talented. He's very rough and gritty. And I like his style. I like his personality. Now that they've given him a chance to really work the mic, he has excelled. And I hope that he keeps the title Sunday. And I hope that we get to keep seeing him excel. Now, after that, Stephanie did exactly what I predicted she would do, which is she drafted Charlotte early on. So the women's title is officially with Raw. To counter that, we had Shane draft AJ Styles. So, not a bad pick. AJ is really up and coming. He's really got it going. I'm not a fan of the whole club thing. I think it's really trying to be NWO and not working for them, so they need to just drop it. But AJ himself is very talented. Now, the big shock, and the one that I was hoping for, and it actually, you know, he did get recruited, was next, which is pick number five, which is Finn Balor from NXT. Six people from NXT, or six drafts, rather, from NXT, were allowed during this draft, and that was the very first NXT draft. The demon known as Finn Balor is now going to Raw. I pray that they don't mess his gimmick up. I pray that they don't try to change him, because what he has going when it came to NXT 
is amazing, and I would love to see it stay when it comes to Raw. So that was the first block. And as you can see, that was just five picks. It's going to kind of go that way this whole time. I'm not going to keep mentioning each block, but I am going to mention the people and my thoughts on them. So let's keep this ball rolling. The next one that was picked was by Stephanie and Mick, with Mick really encouraging, and that was Roman Reigns. You know, Roman going to Raw, that's fine. That's cool. Roman was going to be good either way he went, Raw or SmackDown. I know there's a lot of people who aren't fans of Roman Reigns. There's a lot of people who are. It's a hit and miss, but I feel that Roman is a very talented guy, and I feel like sometimes the fans just like to find people to gang up on. The, the, the wrestling fan base can be very fickle. I mean, look at what they've done to John Cena, which, speaking of which, John Cena was the next pick as he went over to SmackDown. So he's now back at SmackDown after being a stable for a stable foundation for Raw. So it's kind of neat to see Cena going back to SmackDown. And then, of course, Stephanie chose for her next pick the Beast Incarnate, Brock Lesnar. I don't know what I think about this one, to be honest with you guys, because Brock Lesnar is becoming one of those. He, he shows up here and there. He brings the tickets, but he's not frequent. And I, those are the people I can't stand. Now, am I glad that he's going over to Raw instead of SmackDown? Absolutely. SmackDown needs frequency, not big names here and there. So Lesnar is with Raw, and to counter, SmackDown picks Randy Orton, which those two are going off in SummerSlam. Right on. That's awesome. So we have that going for him. And Randy Orton is great for SmackDown. I can see him really lifting things to a whole new level. Now, the one thing I did kind of see going on, except for it was with the wrong brand, was that Stephanie, instead of Shane, picked the entire team, the New Day, to be over to Raw, which is a smart move on her part. She got a three-for-one deal there, plus the titles. Good move, Stephanie. I can I can applaud you on that one. They also picked the underdog from the underground, Sami Zayn, while SmackDown recruited Bray Wyatt. I feel Bray Wyatt's better for SmackDown. I'm trying to make sure I don't make this sound like SmackDown's a B-plus team, because they're not. They're picking a lot of strong people. And Bray Wyatt, I think, if he's used right, can really make things skyrocket, especially as a big heel. And I think SmackDown is the place for that. Raw turned around and recruited the boss, Sasha Banks. Good pick. She can do a lot of great things. Where SmackDown, they turned around and they picked one of my favorite girls, Becky Lynch. So you got the steampunk crazy redhead. Gotta love them redheads. Becky Lynch over in SmackDown. Raw decided to pick a veteran out of Chris Jericho. Good choice. Jericho is known for SmackDown whenever I think about him, because that's where he really did shine a lot. But he's a veteran. He is established, and he can make a lot of things happen. So it's good to see Jericho go over to Raw. As well, we have the U.S. champion Rusev with Lana going to Raw. So for the time being, until Sunday, it is set in stone that the U.S. title is with Raw. To counter that, The Miz and Maurice are with SmackDown. So Intercontinental Championship is going back to SmackDown. And it's got Miz and Maurice. Now, I like Miz. I don't care for him and Maurice combination. I really don't care for Maurice anyway. She's kind of annoying to me. And I don't care if people think she's cute. I don't. But I remember The Miz from before his... Hollywood gimmick, and he was really good. They need to bring that back. Raw brought into their their whole brand the prize fighter Kevin Owens. Good choice, but I feel he would have been a better pick for SmackDown. He could have really skyrocketed as a heel with SmackDown, in my opinion. However, SmackDown did pick another person that is ready to go to skyrocket and that's baron corbin 
So Baron Corbin, with his lone wolf persona, could really become dominant when it comes to SmackDown. Then we have, for Raw, we had them pick two teams following up. First off was Enzo Amore and Big Cass. How you doing? They are now part of Raw, and they are ready to go towards those tag team titles. How you doing? So I like that. I'm okay with that because I'm really entertained by Enzo and Cass, as you can tell with my how you doings. They also picked Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. This was big because this means the club is broken up a little bit. Gallows and Anderson are still together, but they don't have their boy AJ Styles after Sunday. So that's going to be interesting. To counter these two tag teams that were picked back-to-back, the SmackDown brand recruited from NXT the American Alphas, which was a very powerful team in NXT. They were even champions at the time, so that's pretty good. Raw decided that they wanted to take Big Show, one of the people that I'm really a fan of. I think that, you know, he's been there for so many years. He's done so much. He is definitely a great pick. Then you have Dolph Ziggler going over to SmackDown. The show-off may finally, finally get the main event attention he deserves. From NXT, Raw recruits a powerhouse woman, one who will not be somebody that they want to take for any light measurement, Nia Jax. She is now going to go to Raw, and there is going to be a watch notice on that belt because I can promise you Nia Jax is going to be a very strong competitor to go for that title. They also recruited Adrian Neville, which is a former NXT champion and somebody that I would love to see go towards a championship in Raw, which brings me up to something else that I'm going to mention at the end. So stay tuned because you're going to like what I have to tell you after we do all these draft picks if you weren't paying attention to Monday or Tuesday. SmackDown recruited my girl, Natalia to be on their brand, which is pretty cool because you have Natalia and Becky Lynch there, which are two people who do not like each other right now. Cesaro moved over to Raw, and the Swiss Superman, he seemed at first that he wasn't going to be too thrilled with being picked so far down, but he also made it clear that just means he's going to work himself to moving up to the top and showing why he is such a great star. Alberto Del Rio went back to SmackDown where he's been before. And I mean Alberto Del Rio, like John Cena and a few of these other guys, he's been there since the draft really was the big thing. So he's cool with this. And I mean he actually seemed pretty calm and not arrogant or um overworked when it came to when they interviewed him for his opinion on being in SmackDown. So it might be neat to see uh, Alberto go there. Sheamus is going to Raw, which is fine. I think that fits well with him. As well as the Golden Truth is going over to Raw. I like that. I'm happy to see that the Golden Truth is still together. Now, to counter the Golden Truth, SmackDown said, okay, well, we're taking Jimmy and Jay, and we're going to have the Usos over here on SmackDown. Good choice. SmackDown used to be known as the high fly spot. They have big high spots and everything else to keep that two hours entertaining. Usos can definitely do that. Titus O'Neil is going over to Raw. So, a good spot for him. While the Demon Kane, who is notoriously known for his red and usually considered to be a Raw stable, he is now going to be with SmackDown. We also have the Goth Princess Paige now going to Raw officially. And she's going to have a chance to really race for that title. And then, of course, Darren Young, with his life coach and manager, Bob Backlund, are also going to be over to Raw. I'm okay with this. I want to see Darren Young win that chance against The Miz. Now, that's going to hurt to an extent because The Miz has the IC title and SmackDown needs to keep their titles. But we'll get to that in a moment. 
Kalisto is going over to SmackDown. And before the draft even began, Kalisto and Sin Cara said that they are going to officially break up the band, per se. They're going to no longer be Lucha Dragons because they want to try their luck in singles. So Kalisto got picked over to SmackDown, and right after, Sin Cara got moved over to Raw. So to both of the gentlemen, good luck on your singles competitions. And you got to admit that when it comes to the times that you guys will bump into each other, it's nice to know that you'll have somebody watching your back. Naomi is moved over to SmackDown, so that's not bad there either. She's, you know, Naomi's got talent. She really does. Just some of the things that she's done gimmick-wise and her finishing move, the rear view, I can't stand. But besides that, she is very much a talented wrestler. The All-American Jack Swagger, he's going over to Raw. The Ascension, Connor and Victor, moved over to SmackDown. Again, not a bad thing. Um, They're kind of one of those teams that I feel they need to get a proper push because they've kind of easily fell to the wayside. So this could be a good chance for them. The Dudley Boys, they're over back to Raw, which is good because the Dudley Boys are best when they're together, no matter which brand they went to, but Raw seems more like where it'd be fitting to have the Dudley Boys. Zack Ryder, the Long Island Ice Z, is over to SmackDown. Now, this is what I was talking about with Darren Young. You know, if Darren Young beats The Miz, the Intercontinental Championship will go to Raw. However, if the Long Island Ice Z wins against Rusev, then that means right there that the U.S. Championship will go to SmackDown, which is kind of appropriate. So that will work. And I, I'm all for the Long Island IZ to actually get the title. Summer Rae is going over to Raw. So again, another woman to Raw. Raw is getting a lot more of the ladies than, the, the, than SmackDown is. So I kind of saw that coming. But we also had Apollo Crews recruited over to SmackDown which is a great, great, great opportunity for Apollo Crews, because Apollo Crews is one who is a man of action, not of words. And that's kind of hurt him, because without being so much a well-versed and strong person behind the mic, he didn't really have much airtime, except for, you know, every now and then he'd be in a dark match before the show actually started, or he would have a quick match, but it would be nothing that really could help elevate his career. Now with a brand split, they can actually focus a little bit more on Cruz, and he might show us that he deserves a title shot sometime very soon. Talking about powerful people who also have earned their keep, this man, Mark Henry, who now is part of Raw, has had many great, incredible matches, and it's awesome to see him staying on Raw, where he may dominate once again to try to get a title. Alexa Bliss is over to SmackDown, which is an awesome thing for her. More opportunity. And then we also had Braun Strowman move over to Raw. Think about this real quick, guys. Bray Wyatt's in SmackDown. Braun Strowman is in Raw. Braun Strowman doesn't have Bray Wyatt whispering in his ear, giving him guidance. So Braun Strowman could be a very, very dangerous person on the Raw roster. Brizango is over now at SmackDown, which is kind of interesting because, you know, it means they're away from the golden truth. But it may give those younger guys a chance to elevate themselves a little bit more. Graham, not a fan of either of them, but you never know. Bo Dallas is over in Raw. It's not the entire social outcast. It was just Bo Dallas that was recruited there. And honestly, if Bo goes back to how he was when he first was a champion on NXT, he could really go places. I think they let him become too goofy and quirky, and that really hurt him. Uh, One person that came from NXT that I really didn't approve, I didn't like, but that's only because I was rooting for a different woman to come from NXT, is Eva Marie. Eva Marie is now going to be in SmackDown. Good luck to you, Eva. Nothing against you. But I personally was waiting for them to say Bailey because I would like to see her come up to the big top. I, I think that she's more than capable. She's more than ready. 
But I get it. I get why they didn't take her because she is a figurehead for NXT and they have to protect that brand as well. Um, the Shining Stars, they are going to be over on Raw. So you definitely have that going on for them. The Shining Stars of the Caribbean. Uh, Primo and Epico, if you don't know who they are. But also, one thing that I think is great for SmackDown is the VOD villains are going to be on SmackDown. They now have a real big chance to grow. Granted, I personally would rather have seen Enzone Cast on SmackDown because I love Enzone Cast. I think that they are hilarious. They are my type of gimmick that I enjoy watching. But it is what it is. VOD villains, good luck on SmackDown. That's all I can say. I think you guys could easily get a title there once there is a tag title over at SmackDown. Alicia Fox is now being recruited into Raw, which is good for her. To accompany Bray Wyatt, we have Eric Rowan going to SmackDown. Now, this doesn't mean that Eric Rowan and Bray Wyatt are going to be a team still. They more than likely will because it's the Wyatt family. But you may see them going to singles. You may see them be a tag team. Who knows? Dana Brooke is back over at Raw to be with her teacher or trainer, if you will, Charlotte. So there's good job for Dana. Um, kind of funny that the women's champion's protege is so low on the pick of choice. But, you know, whatever. Another one from NXT that's going to SmackDown is Mojo Rowley, which is a tag team partner of Zack Ryder's. So will there be a tag team or will it just be Mojo by himself? Who knows? Curtis Axel from the Social Outcast has been moved over to Raw. So looks like we have Bo and Axel so far, as well as we have Carmella moving over to SmackDown. Which is going to be good because she's going to really have a chance to show what she can do. And unfortunately, though, she's not going to have Enzone Cast right there with her like she has before. So, who knows what's going on there. Now, before I say much else, there's a few names that I haven't really... I really have a problem with because I didn't really include them in the draft. And one was obvious when you watched the draft, and that's Heath Slater. Heath Slater is not Raw or SmackDown, so who knows what's going to happen to him. You also have Emma, Rosa Mendez, Nikki Bella, Tamina Snuka, Luke Harper, and of course the Phenom, The Undertaker, which I kind of expected nobody to pick him. He's just going to do his own thing. But those names are still technically on the roster. So what's going to happen with them? Are they going to be drafted quietly to one side or the other? Or are they going to just go and become free agents and work elsewhere because they're going to soon be terminated? Are they going back to NXT? Who knows? We'll have to keep an eye out for those names and see what happens. It really shocked me that Slater, Emma, and Tamina were not drafted. But that's just me. The other thing I wanted to mention that I said I'd talk about later on was... The one good thing also Raw has going for them as of Monday is they will have a cruiserweight division. So with that being said, and some of these people who are considered cruiserweights going into Raw, that's a good start. But what that also says to me when it comes to the people I'm concerned over is the draft technically isn't over yet. You still have the cruiserweight classic going on and a few other things. So more than likely what's going to happen is you're going to see more people getting recruited as time goes by just not the people that have already been established so slater emma and tamina they may get quietly drafted harper may get quietly drafted but you're also going to see stephanie keeping an eye out on the cruiserweight classic to recruit some of those guys as they go through so there's more of those matches i can almost guarantee you'll see that happen and if it does good play on stephanie's part but as we get more details, of course, we will keep you guys posted. So that is what it is. All in all, though, looking at this stuff, my personal opinion is we've got a strong draft on both ends. When it comes, though, to looking at everything, it looked at first like 
there was going to be a real shortage for um, SmackDown when it came to the women. They have six. That's not a bad number. It's not a strong number. Uh, Charlotte is over at Raw with Banks and a few others. So, I mean, you've got a good number going over there. I've, if I just write on top of my head, if I remember right, you have easily about seven over there. So, again, it's a small number, but it can grow. I feel that breaking that down like that may end up hurting the women's revolution or it may surprise me and really make it excel because they have more chance to focus on those girls who knows all in all though the draft is a good thing for the company it's going to cause ratings to go up because of the rivalry it's going to have a lot of great possibilities and not to mention the fact that with them not working as frequently and as hastily there may be a chance for less injuries, and that's the important thing. So, honestly, this is a good thing, and between Sunday all the way till who knows whenever they decide not to do a, a brand separation again and do a draft and all that, the sky's the limit, and I think this is going to be a great thing, guys. I honestly, honestly do. Well, boys and girls, there you have it. That is this episode where we talked about the draft. We talked about the brands being on their own instead of being merged together. We talked about all these different picks. There's a lot of possibilities going on. It is just going to keep getting better and better. I am very sure of it. And the best part is, right now with those titles, everything is pretty much up for grabs. Aside from the women's title and the tag team title, since I don't believe they are up for grabs on this upcoming pay-per-view battleground, but who knows what will happen. Right now, there's a lot of great possibilities, and we are going to see that this Sunday. But before that, make sure you stay tuned, because we will have our special episode where we do the prediction panel and see what everyone thinks of those matches before they happen. Until then, this is your host, Priest, and I will talk to you guys next time on the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at thesleeperhold.com, comment on episodes, read our blog, find information about our quarterly charity, and more. See you next week.